President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. Well, at real Donald Trump, at least I will go down as a president. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Take it to the bank. Okay. I guarantee it. They weren't giving us a lot of chance, were they? We are going to take power back from the political class in Washington and return that power to you, the American people. These entrenched interests will do anything they can to keep the broken system in place, but they will fail and we will win because we are fighting on this side of our great American heritage. Brandon Robinson here with the Make America Great Again podcast. Oh, the irony of 60 Minutes doing a special on Mike Cernovich and calling him fake news. And then days later, he's the one that breaks the story that Susan Rice did in fact unmask names for the Obama administration. They tried so hard to make him seem like uh, some kind of crazy lunatic, but... Sure enough, unlike the uh, reporter that sat on the information for three days, as soon as Cernovich knew, he tweeted it out and let the world know. And now the media storm has um, whipped up a new story and, you know, about how it's, it's not illegal. You know, every time they, they just keep changing that goalpost, keep changing that narrative to whatever now fits. Uh, two weeks ago when... Susan Rice was on a PBS news station. She was interviewed and said that she knew nothing of the unmasking. She knew nothing of any leaks or any intelligence, blah, 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 which is weird since she's, you know, uh, the national security advisor for Obama, but whatever. So then she comes on uh, another show this week after it's known now that she did the unmasking. And now her story is that, okay, well, she, you know, did maybe do some unmasking, but, you know, you have to do that when you're the national security advisor. That way you know, you know, who's talking to who. Because basically she was saying that she gets these reports, uh, the same reports that, like, the president gets. And, you know, it's her job to kind of, like, look through reports and be like, hey, president, you need to check this shit out right here. Well, she was claiming that, it was her job to unmask, I guess, people, but it really wasn't. That's not her job at all as the national security advisor. I mean, her job is not to uh, ask for more information. Her job is to absorb the information given and respond. She is not an investigator. She d- does not... Uh, it, it shouldn't be in her wheelhouse to be unmasking people. She gets these intelligence reports from the uh, intelligence community. And if, if there is a reason why any of these names needed to be unmasked, then they would have already done it. It's not like they would have given her a report that was useless to read unless you knew who the name was. If you needed to know who it was, guess what? They already had the name in there, you know? It's not like you had to go out of your way. Um, I mean, we're, 
basically it's implying that Susan Rice knows better than the uh, intelligence communities. So if they were to give her or Obama a report and there were masked U.S. citizens' names in the report, she is claiming that it is her prerogative to unmask them if she feels like it, if it will help them understand the conversation. But that's not, that's not her job at all. Her job is to take the information that she is given and disseminate it to the president in whatever way she sees fit. It is not her job to go back to the intelligence community and ask them for more information. That's, that's not that it's a, they don't investigate stuff at the white house. She is not the head of the department of justice. She is, uh, an advisor to the president. Okay. She's not a detective. She in no way investigates stuff. She just gets intelligence reports and then lets the president know what he needs to know about the reports points certain stuff out to him. You know, that's supposed to be her job. Well, that's not exactly, you know, what she's now claiming. She's acting like she is uh, just as equal as, like, the head of the CIA or the head of the FBI or the head of the NSA. And that's not, you know, no, you're not. You are not. Sorry to break it to you. Now, it shouldn't be a surprise that um, Susan Rice lied because... This is the same woman that went around to all these Sunday talk shows after Benghazi and told us all it was because of a YouTube video of some like dude in Florida burning a Quran or something ridiculous. Um, definitely not, uh, you know, part of the giant plan to get rid of Gaddafi and take over his country for his oil rights, which is actually what. The Clinton Foundation, specifically Hillary Clinton, was trying to achieve there. Oh, and by the way, they did. I'm not sure if you remember, but Gaddafi got, you know, killed in the streets by his own people. So it, their plan worked. But anyways, that's the point. Lib- Libya was on the chopping block to get divvied up resource-wise and you know, basically part of the whole taking over the Middle East's uh, oil reserves. So she went around to all the Sunday talk shows and lied to us all and said that it was because of a YouTube video that the embassy in Benghazi was attacked. Well, that wasn't the case. And we know that now. It had nothing to do with a, a stupid video. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, not all Muslims have fucking YouTube. <laughs> you know? I mean, you're talking about an entire country rioting and thousands of uh, people rioting in the streets over a YouTube video? I don't think so. I was going to play all the clips of her going around to Sunday shows and lying and then fast forward a few years and show just the last you know month of her interviews and ways that she lied. But I'm not honestly, I'm not going to waste your time or my time in this podcast doing that. So just know that she's full of it. It's... Pretty much her job is to go on talk shows and lie. So, um, there you go. And now it's been um, released that the CIA director John Brennan ordered Susan Rice to unmask Mike Flynn, Sean Hannity, and Eric Prince. Now, Michael Flynn, you might ask why Sean Hannity? 
Well, apparently he was close to uh, Julian Assange since you gave him an interview, and that was reason enough to be spying on Sean Hannity. And then you got Eric Prince, who was in the news recently when they were trying to say that he was trying to set up some back channel to Russia for Trump in January. Now, mind you, this is after Trump was elected. So you can't have it both ways. Either Trump already was a Russian agent and in cahoots with the Russians, and that's how he got elected, or Eric Prince went in January, months after the election, to some Middle Eastern place to go meet with some people to possibly set up some back channel to Putin. So which is it, guys? Was he bought and paid for before the election, or... Did Eric Prince go set up this back channel to be able to communicate with Russia after the election? You can't have it both ways. You got to pick one, okay? Either before or after. Just just so we all know which bullshit to argue with, you got to pick, okay? He was he, he was either a Russian agent before or he became one after. Choose. Now Eric Prince, he's the uh, the founder of Blackwater, which is a um, you know, basically a mercenary force. Um, he's also he, He's a big name in the security world, both uh, in private security and, you know, uh, well, taking over countries with private armies, whichever you need. Um, And his sister is Betsy Davos, by the way, which is our new Secretary of Education. Well, you know, I don't don't mind either one of these fellows. I I think they're pretty decent people, both uh, Eric Prince... And uh, Sean Hannity and Michael Flynn, um, all these people that have been unmasked to the intelligence agencies. I I just don't think that, um, and Sean Hannity, by the way, is vowed to sue if that's the case. I'm not sure who he's going to sue, but still it'd be interesting to see. So, Now, the interesting thing about the Eric Prince story is that the uh, people pushing it is... The Washington Post. I'm not sure how much you know about that, but in 2013 it was bought by Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon.com. So thank Amazon. Also owns Washington Post. And here's the here's the funny part. So the original Washington Post company have now renamed themselves to the Graham's Holding Group per their deal after they sold the Washington Post to Jeff Bezos. But the Washington or I mean the Graham Holdings Group, um, they also own uh, FP Group, which is the foreign policy group that has been around since like World War II. Um, it's like a magazine that basically gives advice on foreign policy stuff. It's really just a cover for rich people to be able to, you know, mess with other countries' foreign policies and be like, you see, we got a magazine that says we know what we're talking about, but, you know, you get my point. Um, so... The original Washington Post, which is now called Graham's Holding Group, owns that and Slate. Um, and I, I want to I want to say they they did own Vice too at one point, but not now maybe. But point is, they are all super super Democratic people who are very anti-Trump and always have been very um, Democratic. You know, anti-Russia and all this stuff, right? So we got. Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, who's very much a anti-Trump person, um, and then we have his former, you know, like the the company that 
used to own Washington Post went on to you know pick up a few magazines. They're still just as anti-Trump, even after selling it to Bezos, um, even though they're not technically the Washington Post anymore. But, I mean, that doesn't matter. The, 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 the crazy thing is the FP group, which again was, so when I say FP group, I mean Graham's Holding Group, and by Graham's Holding Group, I mean the old Washington Post company, okay? They also have direct links to the Atlantic Council. And if you listen to my podcast before this, the Atlantic Council, whose members also include uh, the Brzezinski's, um, Susan Rice, <laughs> uh, Evelyn Farkas, um, Dimitri uh, Vinitvach or something, the, the guy that made CrowdStrike, who investigated the DNC servers and originally claimed Russia hacked the election. All these people are members or former members of the Atlantic Council, which is a Washington think tank funded by George Soros and a, Rush, or a Ukrainian billionaire oligarch who's, and the, the whole point of the Atlantic Council is pretty much to be anti-Russia. So, um, you know, there's that. It's, it's all one big giant cabal of powerful people trying to, I don't know, globalize the world. And Russia's one of the big people standing in the way of that as of the last, say, 20 years. Now backing up to uh, the Susan Rice story here. Um, Susan Rice can't order wiretaps. She can't really even order unmasking. She can request a name be unmasked in an intelligence report that she's already received. But she can't exactly go say, hey, there's this guy over here that you guys aren't even... Um, providing intelligence reports on, but I'd really like to know about him and I want to have all his communications unmasked. That's not her that's not in her wheelhouse. She's not allowed to really do that. But who is allowed to do that is Deputy Director of the FBI, Andrew McCabe, who is the same Andrew McCabe who is in charge of the Hillary Clinton email case. The same Andrew McCabe who is in charge of the Awan brothers hacking scandal, um, as well as the DNC Russia hacking uh, investigation. So this Andrew McCabe guy is basically in charge of anything that has to do with Clinton or the DNC. And he, again, deputy director of the FBI. So one guy underneath James Comey. Now, the interesting thing about McCabe um, that seems to not be covered in the news is that he accepted $700,000 from the Clinton Foundation through through one of their people, okay? But it, it definitely, I mean, if you look at, look where the money came from, it came from the Clinton Foundation, okay? They just funneled it through someone else to uh, McCabe. Now, it wasn't given to McCabe, it was given to Andrew McCabe's wife because she was running for a Senate seat in Virginia last year. So... They gave her $700,000 to run for, you know, um, a Senate seat. But somehow that's not a conflict of interest that her husband is in charge of all the investigations that have anything to do with Clintons. Isn't that kind of weird? Sounds pretty fishy to me. Oh yeah, I forgot. And McCabe's also the guy that is in charge of the... Uh, Anthony Weiner laptop, which is full of 
uh, all the all the uh, information we need to bust the Pizzagate pedophile, you know, elite child fucking ring. <laughs> it's amazing that the the New York uh, Police Department they released multiple statements back when they found the laptop, pretty much saying like, "Holy shit." Uh, lots of people are going to jail. This is crazy, and then the FBI quashed it and said, "Oh, well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need." Well, first they took it and and somehow in like a matter of two days they supposedly went through half a million emails that were on this laptop, and it was it was Huma Abedin's laptop too. They like her her and her husband Anthony Weiner, Huma Abedin, who is Hillary Clinton's you know right hand woman, the uh, Muslim looking dark-skinned woman that was always by Hillary Clinton throughout the entire campaign. So her husband, Anthony Weiner, who was, you know, and gotten in trouble for uh, sending, you know, sex text messages to, you know, 14, 15-year-old girls. Um, same guy that, like, accidentally released a picture of his junk on Twitter, uh, like, a year or two ago. Real idiot. Um, but at the same time, real smart guy. Smart enough that, you know, he's involved in all this crap. So anyways, the New York Police Department found his laptop, found a bunch of terrible evidence on it, and then the FBI took that investigation over. And guess who's in charge of it? Andrew McCabe. So, hmm, weird, huh? I'm backing up again to Susan Rice and this whole um, wiretapping scandal or whatever you want to call it, surveillance. You know, that's the thing that no one wants to admit. We are all wiretapped, every single one of us. Like, it's proven like, you can ask Edward Snowden. All they got to do is type anyone's name in, and they can pull up, like, so say you're at the NSA, you're on, you know, you're at a computer where you can pull up the surveillance, you type in anyone's name, you have every phone call, every text message, every email, every Google search, every single thing that they could possibly log about you, they have at their fingertips, and it takes seconds to pull it up, okay? So, first of all, we are all wiretapped. We are all being surveilled. There is, there is no such thing as not being wiretapped. But the point is, we're, we're supposed to be okay with this because supposedly it's not being looked at unless you're a terrorist, right? Well, Trump's not a terrorist. Neither is anyone on his team. I mean, even if you want to somehow say that, I, I mean, I, I still don't really understand how Russia, what Russia would have had to gain from, I don't know, I guess, okay, like worst case scenario, Russia's like, hey, Trump, we'll get you elected if you, what, I don't know, give us all the American nuclear weapons or something. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the ridiculous thing that the Democrats think that the Russians were planning with Trump is. But worst case scenario, none of Trump or his team are terrorists or anything of that nature. So there's no re and they're definitely not foreign uh, people either. So there's no reason why anyone in there should be unmasked and be looked at and have like reports compiled of their daily activities, phone calls, messages, all that stuff, and being sent around to other intelligence agencies. I mean, basically, they have like a giant spreadsheet or brief, a daily, a daily briefing of everything that was going on with the Trump team, and that was passed around to. The president, the Obama administration officials, and other intelligence agencies daily. So there's no reason 
why this would need to be happening other than political reasons, okay? It was purely just to give Hillary Clinton all the goods she needed on Donald Trump. You ever wonder why Hillary Clinton and everyone were so sure that Trump was going to lose? Well, it's because they had every bit of everything about him. And they just were, they were... They were 100% sure that they were going to be able to just take him out at any point, you know? I mean, I think they were kind of shocked the pussy-grabbing tape didn't take him out, you know? And they are like, well, shit, what do we do now? Um, oh, yeah, and the pussy-grabbing tape was, if I remember right, it was released by, like, the someone, someone's husband that works at ABC that, you know, their wife is, works for the White House, too. Like, not sure if you know this, but a whole bunch of people that work for the White House in the last eight years also have um, husbands or wives that are like executive producers for CNN and ABC and MSNBC and all this crap. You can go look it up, but I'm not going to go through it right now. But you get the point. Like, they they intermingle. And so they can pay off, like, the husband or the wife, the one that's not in politics, but just a news producer, and then it's not technically illegal. Anyways. Uh, so the point is, they already knew what all Trump had and what he was doing, and they were sure that they were going to be able to find some damaging information on him. The problem is, he's clean. He's got nothing. They have everything they need to know on him, and they're just grasping at straws, trying to find something to hang him with. And they can't, because uh, he's not a corrupt globalist. That's the problem. And he doesn't fuck children. And he's, you know... He's a billionaire and, you know, he's had three wives, but he's not like a sexual crazy person that's going to, you know, the, the, the point is he doesn't, there's, there's no dirt to dig up on Trump that we, any of us give a shit about. Like all they can find is shit that happened 20 years ago. Okay. And the, even the stuff they find like, oh no, you said some naughty words on a, you know, tape under your breath to some dude on a bus somewhere when you didn't think you were being recorded. Oh yeah. None, none of us has ever done that for sure. And if there's any question in your mind as to whether or not Hillary Clinton had access to these things, because remember, she supposedly wasn't Secretary of State in 2014, the problem was her campaign manager, John Podesta, was part of Obama's uh, like advisory team. So he got the same daily unmasked intelligence briefings that the rest of them did. And then he handed those over to Clinton on a daily basis. And that's like a best case scenario. Worst case scenario, Obama just gave it directly to Clinton, you know, or whatever. You know, he didn't even have to back channel it. They just gave it to her anyways, because it's not like they thought any of this was going to come to light. They were 100% certain that they were going to be able to take Trump out and not, he wasn't going to be president. So as soon as he became president, everyone just kind of shit their pants, went, oh, fuck, this is not good. Because they knew that eventually all this stuff is going to come out. And we're going to know how dirty and corrupt they've been the last, I don't know, at least year, if not five or ten years. I mean, it's it's been a long... There, there's so much crap that they've tried to pull off in the last eight years when you know, as Obama was president. Um, especially in the Middle East that just no one's even aware of for the most part. You know, we're talking maybe maybe 100,000 people in America actually know what you know about the Middle Eastern stuff. And the, the rest of the 399 billion people, 399, yeah, like they don't, they don't know. They don't even, it's, it's cause it would have to actually get covered by any news organization, you know, speaking of the Middle East, obviously 
Oh, where to start there? Well, first of all, let me let me say um, Russia had a terrorist attack on a subway. That was pretty jacked up. Like 10 people died, 40 or 50 people injured. They found a few more unexploded bombs. And of course, the only picture they released, it was 100% a Muslim dude. But Russia's already kind of doing the whole, you know, kicking ass and taking names uh, in the Middle East. So it's not like, and it's Russia. They don't really care. You can, you can take out like a thousand of them, and they're just going to double down on any efforts they have to take out, you know, extremist Muslims. So, but more importantly, uh, what I really wanted to get to. Okay, so uh, the UN ambassador, Nikki Haley, who Trump appointed, who is a Democrat, by the way, she went over and talked to Assad this week. Now, and this was like Monday, all right? She asked Assad specifically if the president were to call him, would he answer the call? And they weren't expecting him to say this, but he said, yes, of course I would. In fact, here's my private number to give him so he can get a hold of me even faster. So literally, <laughs> when the phone rings, I can just pick it up and start talking. So that's how uh, motivated Assad was to actually open up talks with the United States. And this is because Obama never talked to Assad. They've, uh, most of our, us and our allies have been behind this whole regime change idea um, in Syria for the last couple of years. So for Assad... He was super excited to, at the thought of uh, actually talking with the United States president because that means maybe they could, you know, he could actually red pill Trump a little bit and let him know what's really been going on, you know? And because that's, that's the point. We've been supporting Al Qaeda to take over, you know, and ISIS in different parts in Syria uh, for the last couple of years and, you know, trying to oust their democratically elected leader. Much like Gaddafi. I mean, literally exactly like Gaddafi. In fact, not sure if you remember, but just a couple of years ago, we had a, you know, there was an attack in Syria and they blamed Assad. It was a gas attack, sarin, sarin gas. Um, they blamed Assad, but it was never proven. And in fact, Russia went and proved that it was actually the rebels that did it and not Assad. But you see, that information really didn't make it to the U.S. So if you ask most people um, about Assad, they'd be like, oh yeah, didn't he like gas his own people a couple years ago? Doesn't that sound familiar? Like maybe something Saddam Hussein did or something, you know? Um, just a, another, the third or fourth leader that we've taken out in the last 20 years in the Middle East. Uh, point is, Nikki Haley talking to Assad. This was Monday. Assad was excited to... You know, yeah, let's, I would love to talk to the president. Sure, here's my number. Here's my private number. Now, magically, the next day, there's a gas attack, and he's blamed for it. Hmm. And this, this also comes on the, you know, the same day that uh, this whole wiretapping shit is breaking wide open with the Susan Rice uh, and all this stuff. So, now Trump is forced to have to you know, they're forcing Trump's hand on the whole serious situation because Trump was about the only one of, of, you know, people in our government and that people that matter that don't just want to bomb the shit out of uh, Assad and kill him and take, you know, his country over for its oil rights. And by the way, Russia has been backing Assad 
And so is Iran for the last couple of years, which is why we've been so anti-Russia and anti-Iran for the last couple of years, because they're supporting the guy that we want to take out. But we don't want to take him out for any reason other than to be able to run uh, the, the oil through his company the, or through his country the way we want. See, what, what he did is he has set up, he has tried to make Syria, Assad, okay? He has tried to make Syria like the um, crossroads of the oil pipelines of the whole Middle East there. You know, his, he, wants to, he wants to have like two or three pipelines going through his country. And he wants, you know, because that's more money for them and more like stability and control and all this stuff. And we're just not really into that. We want him to be dead so that we can control his country and we can decide which pipelines get built and are, uh, you know, under our control. Because on one hand, I, you see, Iran wants to run their oil through Syria. We don't want Iran to do that. And that's really why we're trying to take out Assad. It's just, it's just uh, so that uh, Iran can't sell their oil to Europe. That is it. And that's the messed up thing. It's, uh, the, the whole deal here is about oil in the Middle East. I mean, that's what it's all about. So anyways, now we have more gas attacks and, uh, you know, the media is ignoring the fact that there was a um, anti-Assad uh, reporter that reported on Twitter a day before the attacks about the attacks. So he had advanced knowledge of the attacks, wrote about it, and published it on Twitter. And then a day later, the attacks happened. Also, this uh, Islam dude... Islam, I forget his, literally his first name is Islam, and I forget his second name or his last name. But he has, you know, he's been convicted for, uh, like, kidnapping uh, foreign reporters, and, you know, he's, like, lost his medical license. He's a doctor in Syria. But apparently we're all taking, like, the, the media is actually using his Twitter videos and quotes as, like, real information. And like he's he's literally a fucking terrorist, and we're acting like he he's a solid source of info in Syria, and this is he also magically got gas masks sent to him three days before this attack happened. So like last Friday he got some gas masks, and then Monday or Tuesday oh look at that we have a gas attack weird, and he's the main one talking about it and uh, you know posting videos about it and all this stuff. Meanwhile, he was fine because he had gas masks already. Hmm. Weird. And there's there's all kinds of other weird shit about that guy that definitely, you know, points at him being in on the whole uh, false flag event that they've tried to create here. But that's the point. Hopefully Trump doesn't fall for it. And hopefully we don't. Uh, hopefully Trump actually makes that phone call to Assad like he was planning on doing and gets his side of this story. Hopefully he already has. I, mean, I, I don't know. And more importantly, would Trump be able to tell us if he was? Because, you know, he still has to, like, I don't know, at least act like... That's the hard part. We're getting to, a, we're getting to crossroads where Trump's going to have to actually start really red-pilling the world and talking about the globalists. I mean, there's no, 
There's no one that we can blame for this false flag event other than the globalists that want to oust Trump. And how does he go about saying that Assad was not responsible for this attack without also just seem seeming like a crazy conspiracy theorist, you know, uh, and saying that the globalists did it? It's it's very hard. It's a it's a it's a real rock and a hard place. He's got himself stuck in here, but it's Trump. And he plays 4D chess every day. So I'm sure he's going to figure it out. Now, hopefully you guys have heard of the White Helmets. Um, and if not, all you need to know is they are a Soros, George Soros. Yeah, no. Good old George Soros. It's funded by this guy and the British government. And they're more than likely the people behind this whole Syrian gas attack. They're also, they've been caught in the past faking um, videos of like injured people and stuff. I think I remember them having like a picture of some girl that they were rescuing, but it was like a girl that they had used like on three different photo occasions over the course of the last three years. So someone linked it together. I'm like, that's weird how this girl just keeps getting rescued by you guys. You know, it's probably like someone's daughter. Uh, but that's the point. They've been caught faking news multiple times in the last couple years. Uh, and these guys, these white helmets, you know, they're the ones that filmed a lot of the footage from the chemical attack this week. Uh, but like I said, they've been known to stage rescue videos. So, uh, but, I mean, this time children were killed. It, people died. You know, like at least 100 people died, I think. And at least 10 of them, I think, were kids. And, I mean, these people took videos of the kids suffocating to death. You know, just, again, to get us to attack Assad. Um, while while some people, other videos, people have unexplained head injuries, which doesn't make any sense since it was a gas attack, unless they were just being beaten. Uh, it is known, however, that 250 people were kidnapped by Al-Qaeda last week from a nearby city of Hama, which is roughly the same number of the body count of uh, the wounded and the killed civilians. So, I'm sure that's just a coincidence, but another coincidence is the uh, the doctor, you know, Shajul uh, Islam. Sorry, I messed that up earlier. His last name's Islam. His first name's Shajul. Uh, you know, he's, he's the one being used as the source for, you know, all these intelligence informations. He's working directly with the White Hats, is my point. He might as well be a White Hat himself. So that's kind of odd that he got gas masks uh, days in advance, which I'm sure he handed out to White Helmet people. And then he's him and the White Helmets have used, you know, recorded all this video and posted it all to the internet, you know, to curry favor with them and not Assad, trying to blame Assad for this. But... Syria hasn't had any chemical weapons since 2013. The actual government, Assad. John Kerry went over there and was like, after the first uh, attack happened, so this is the second time we've tried to blame a gas attack on Assad and you know start a war with him. Obama wouldn't do it because we were all like, not sure if you remember, it was like the only time pretty much <clears throat> in the last, 20 years where a president was like, we need to go to war with the country and, and the whole country as a whole Democrat or Republicans went, fuck that. We do not need 
to get into a third, like third or fourth or fifth fucking war. Okay. So, you know, they bailed on that plan because there was no public support whatsoever for going to war with Syria. Instead, they just continued to do their back channel war with Syria and proxy war with Russia through Syria and yada, yada, yada. But so anyways, that was back 2013. Well, John Kerry went over there and tried to, you know, he went and basically went to Assad and said, like, give us all your chemical weapons or we're going to go to war with you. And Assad went, here you go. Have them all. Take them. We don't want them. And John Kerry was like, oh, all right. I guess we'll take them and not go to war with you like we just offered. So that was back in 2013 when we literally took all the uh, stockpiles of chemical weapons and gave them to the rebels. <clears throat> Seriously. And if not, go show me where we what we did with their chemical weapons. Did we destroy them? Did we bring them back here? No. We gave them to the rebels. So we just redistributed Syria's own chemical weapons and gave them to the terrorists that were trying to take over Syria. And now those terrorists have more than likely used some of those chemical weapons in an attack this week. That's, you know, it's what we're coming down to. Just We're just recycling chemical weapons and giving a, are you okay? Well, now that you've used them, we're going to take them away from you because you're bad and we'll give them to the next guy that we can then blame. Because it's not like, how, how do you even keep track of which uh, rebel group is on our side? I mean, they switch sides like every six months. It doesn't, you know. The point is, we're, we're literally helping Al-Qaeda and ISIS in different cases um, kill people like this. I mean, it's a, it's a weapon of mass destruction, sarin gas is. And we're just giving it away. I mean, obviously... There's no, like, paperwork for this. But again, show me where Syria's original chemical weapons went. The ones we supposedly took away from them. You know? And, and like I said, all the, all the governments, you know, all the NATO governments are super unhappy with Trump's, you know, recent statements that they no longer see regime change in Syria as a priority. As in, like, hey, we don't necessarily think that we need to take out Assad. And, you know, that's made a lot of people angry, a lot of our allies. Um, Britain is still fully committed to regime change in Syria. And this is from a, a recent statement from the Prime Minister, Theresa May. Britain is also the same people that are helping fund the White Helmets. I mean, it's literally Britain and George Soros. So those are the people that pay the white helmet people. So I'm not saying that Britain is bad, but whoever convinced them that the white helmets needed their money and are good people, they're not, they're not good. <laughs> they definitely need taken out. But one last odd coincidence about this whole thing. Senator John McCain. So last time there was a gas attack in Syria... He had just been there a month before that. And this time when there is a gas attack in Syria, he had just been there a month before. So last month, John McCain went to Syria. This month, gas attack. Again. So, you know, I'm not saying that he had anything to do with it. But all I'm saying is maybe keep him the fuck out of Syria. Last I checked, some senator has no reason... I mean, what the... Senators don't have any reason to go... Uh, over to the Middle East to like 
talk or deal with anything. That's not their jobs. Their jobs to chill here and make laws. That's it. They're not some investigating force. They're they're none of that. They're they're supposed to be here writing our laws and stuff, not going over to the Middle East to deal with anyone or anything. I, I mean, that's again, other than like unless the president himself sent someone over there to do something. That's about the only time in my mind that uh, an official from the United States should be over there in any kind of official capacity doing anything. And I don't think that was the case either time with John McCain. I think he just went on his own. He probably went to go, you know, have a meeting with the White Helmets, you know, which is ISIS pretty much. It's literally ISIS with white helmets on instead of fucking black clothing. That's that's the difference. By the way, if you're if you're like, I think I've heard of the White Helmets, don't they're like a documentary or something on them? Yeah, actually, there is on Netflix, which Netflix, I'm not sure if you remember. George Soros bought a major stick in Netflix in the last year. So Netflix might as well be called fucking George Soros flicks now. Anyways, the White Helmet documentary that was on Netflix, um, it even got used... I mean, it's just propaganda, but they got used at the Oscars so they could place the film in the critically acclaimed category and get it, you know, like, ooh, get it more attention. But... It's it's honestly a documentary, just purely propaganda. I mean, literally, these people are Al Qaeda or ISIS because again, the same people. Depending on what part of Syria you're in, like the rebels, it, it you can call them whatever you want. ISIS, Al Qaeda, they're just names. The point is, they're uh, Islamic terrorists. That's that's who the white helmets are. They're Islamic terrorists. Well, that's going to pretty much do it for me. Went a little over, so apologize. It's a little bit longer than the 30 minutes I tried to uh, go for, but I'm sure you guys didn't mind the extra 10. Other than that, uh, you all have a good one, and we'll see you next time. We believe in two simple rules. Buy American and hire American. And in our dealings with other nations... We will find a new era of security, cooperation, and peace. And we won't be played for the fool, and we won't be played for the suckers any longer. Trade must be fair, equal, and reciprocal. We sacrificed our own middle class to finance the growth of foreign countries. But those days, Ladies and gentlemen of Kentucky are over. Because from now on, it's going to be America first. And we will stop radical Islamic terrorism. We will stop. Not going to let it happen. Not here. Not going to let it happen. The future belongs to you. This is your moment. This is your time. And this, the United States of America is your country again. Together, we will make America strong again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again.